Joseph wasn't raised to power. He was cast down into a pit, both literally and figuratively. He was thrown into a pit, he was sold as a slave, and he was tossed into prison. Yet all this time, even while he was a slave and a prisoner, God was with him and caused him to succeed. Welcome to The Fox Den with Terry Fox. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to The Fox Den. In this episode, I'm going to continue my survey of Genesis, and we'll be looking at chapters 40 to 42. But let me very quickly review the first 39 chapters in order to have some context for chapters 40 to 42. In the beginning, God created all things by the power of his word, and he created Adam and Eve, and they were sinless. However, Satan tempted Eve, and she ate the forbidden fruit. Then she gave to Adam, and he ate. And this was the first sin and the fall of mankind. Then God initiated a plan to defeat Satan. And he promised Satan in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, that the seed of the woman would crush his head. And the remainder of Genesis and the Bible unfolds God's plan to defeat Satan. And then in Genesis chapter 12, God called Abraham to the land that he promised him. He also promised Abraham that he would make him a great nation, and through him, all nations would be blessed. But Abraham would have to wait about 25 years for the promised son to come. Yet by the sovereignty of God, Isaac was born. And then years later, Isaac had two sons, Jacob and Esau. And then Jacob had 12 sons, and his favorite son was Joseph, the son of Rachel, the wife that Jacob loved. But because he was the favorite, his brothers hated him. And therefore, his brothers sold him into slavery. And that's how he ended up in Potiphar's house. And though he earned favor with Potiphar, Potiphar's wife was attracted to him and made sexual advances on him many times, but Joseph refused her. However, one day she falsely accused Joseph of sexual assault, and Potiphar threw him in prison. So as we begin Genesis chapter 40, Joseph is in prison, but he's found favor with the prison keeper, who put him in charge of everything, and God caused Joseph to succeed. You see, God gets credit for Joseph's success. Now, with this in mind, think about the dreams that Joseph had before his brothers sold him into slavery. Were these dreams just a work of Joseph's brain? Or did God give Joseph those dreams? If God gave Joseph those dreams, will God leave Joseph in prison to rot? Well, we're about to find out. Genesis chapter 40, verse 1 begins by saying, Sometime after this. Well, after what? Moses is referring to what happened to Joseph in Genesis chapter 39, verses 19 and 20. Potiphar threw Joseph in prison. And furthermore, Genesis chapter 40, verse 1 gives us a vague reference to time. We don't know how long Joseph had been in prison before chapter 40 begins. We can safely assume that he'd been there for a while because the prison keeper put him in charge of everything. But we also see in verse 1 that while Joseph was in prison... The cupbearer and the baker for the king of Egypt committed an offense against him. Therefore, Pharaoh threw them in prison where Joseph was. The captain of the guard put Joseph in charge of taking care of them. One night, both of them had dreams. And when Joseph came to them in the morning, he could tell they were troubled. And both of them told him that they had a dream. So the cupbearer told Joseph his dream. And in his dream, there was a vine and it had three branches. Then it budded and blossoms shot forth with clusters of grapes. In his hand was Pharaoh's cup, and he pressed the grapes into the cup, 
and put the cup in Pharaoh's hand. And then Joseph interpreted his dream. And he said that the three branches were three days, and in three days he would be restored to his office as the cupbearer. And then he told the cupbearer to remember him and mention him to Pharaoh when he was released from prison. Well, the baker saw that the interpretation of the cupbearer's dream was favorable, so he wanted Joseph to interpret his dream. And in his dream, there were three cake baskets on his head. And the uppermost basket was filled with all kinds of baked food for Pharaoh. However, birds were eating out of the basket on his head. After he told Joseph his dream, Joseph interpreted it. But it wasn't favorable at all. He told the baker that in three days, Pharaoh would hang him from a tree and the birds would eat his flesh. So on the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, the cupbearer was restored to his position, but the baker was hanged. Well, unfortunately, the cupbearer forgot to tell Pharaoh about Joseph in prison. Then two years had passed between the end of chapter 40 and the beginning of chapter 41. And then one night, Pharaoh had a dream. And in his dream, he was standing by the Nile, and out of the Nile came seven plump cows. But then there were seven thin cows that came out of the Nile, and these thin cows ate the plump cows. And then later he had a second dream, and there were seven ears of grain that were good growing on one stalk. Then sprouted seven thin ears of grain, and the seven thin ears swallowed up the seven plump ears. And after his dreams, Pharaoh called for the magicians and wise men to interpret his dreams, but no one could interpret them. Then the cupbearer remembered Joseph, and he told Pharaoh about him. So Pharaoh sent for Joseph. When Joseph arrived, Pharaoh told him that he had two dreams, and he told him that no one could interpret them. And after Pharaoh told Joseph about his dreams, Joseph told Pharaoh that God has shown him what he's about to do. And he told Pharaoh that the two dreams are really the same dream, and there would be seven good years followed by seven years of famine, which would consume the land. Joseph then told Pharaoh that it is fixed by God and he would bring it about shortly. Notice first that Joseph gave credit to God for the interpretation of the dreams. So Joseph advised Pharaoh to gather food during the good years in preparation for the famine so that the land would not perish during the famine. Pharaoh liked what he heard and appointed Joseph to oversee the project because God had shown him all of this and nobody else was as wise and discerning. And Pharaoh raised Joseph to a powerful position. Only Pharaoh would be greater than Joseph in the land of Egypt. Now, let me pause here and reflect on what just happened. Joseph was in prison, but now he was second in power. And all of this because God was with him and caused him to succeed. Up to this point in Joseph's story, we see many things. First, we see the sovereignty of God in action. God gave Joseph a dream showing him what he was going to do in the future. He would raise Joseph to power. However, Joseph's path to power wasn't an upward trajectory. In fact, it went the opposite direction when his brothers sold him into slavery. Certainly, it would be easy to think that God lied. After all, you thought you were going to rise to power, but now you're a slave. Joseph wasn't raised to power. He was cast down into a pit, both literally and figuratively. He was thrown into a pit, he was sold as a slave, and he was tossed into prison. Yet all this time, even while he was a slave and a prisoner, God was with him and caused him to succeed. Even in his darkest days, God was coordinating 
every detail to raise Joseph to power. But God was going to do it his way and on his timeline. Now let's take a glance at some of those details that God coordinated. First, Joseph was in the same prison as the cupbearer. And not only that, the captain of the guard put Joseph in charge of him and the baker. Was this accidental? No, by the sovereignty of God, he put Joseph in charge of the cupbearer. And then second, though it took a couple years, the cupbearer brought Joseph to Pharaoh's attention. And then third, Joseph was able to interpret Pharaoh's dream, where no one else was able to do that. Quite frankly, Pharaoh's dream was by the sovereignty of God because that's what God put in Pharaoh's brain, causing him to summon Joseph. And then finally, when Pharaoh heard Joseph's solution to the problem, he chose to put Joseph in charge of the project. God gave Joseph the wisdom to address the problem. And in an instant, Joseph went from prison to second in command in Egypt, all by the sovereignty of God. Now, we have to be careful not to think that it was Joseph's skill that raised him to power. His rise to power didn't come by his own ability. Listen to the question that Pharaoh asks in Genesis chapter 41, verse 38. Can we find a man like this in whom is the Spirit of God? Now listen to what Pharaoh says to Joseph in verse 39. Since God has shown you all this... Pharaoh's talking about Joseph knowing about the famine and how to handle the problem. And then Pharaoh continues by saying to Joseph, There is none so discerning and wise as you are. Pharaoh wanted Joseph because God was with him. However, we see more than just the sovereignty of God. We see a parallel between Joseph's life and our salvation. Where Joseph was a slave, where Joseph was a prisoner, we too were slaves to sin. We too were captive to sin. Yet, just as God rescued Joseph from slavery and from prison, God has rescued us from sin, death, the devil, and from his wrath, elevating us to glory in Christ. Now, returning to Genesis chapter 41, verse 46 says that Joseph was 30 years old when he began to serve Pharaoh. And from this point, and over the next seven years, Joseph prepared for the impending famine. And verse 49 describes the abundance. It says the stored up grain was like the sand of the sea until he ceased to measure it, for it could not be measured. Just as God caused Joseph to succeed as a slave and as a prisoner, God caused Joseph to succeed in his new role as second in command over Egypt. Now, we won't see it immediately, but there's a very important reason why God raised Joseph up to this high position. And this is tied to the promise to defeat Satan in Genesis 3.15. And also, it's tied to his promise to make Abraham a great nation and to bless the nations through him. During the time of the good years, Joseph married a woman and had two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. We won't see this in Genesis, but these two sons become tribes of Israel. You can see this in the book of Joshua. Basically, Joseph's portion is split between his two sons. Now, continuing in Genesis chapter 41, in verse 53, we see the end of the plentiful years and the beginning of the famine. And it seems they waited a while before opening the storehouses because verse 55 says, When all the land of Egypt was famished, the people cried to Pharaoh for bread. And Pharaoh directed them to Joseph, and Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold to the Egyptians. But the storehouses didn't just take care of the Egyptians. 
People from all over the earth came to Egypt to buy grain because the famine was severe all over the place. And then in chapter 42, we have a shift in setting. Now we're back in the land of Israel. The beginning of chapter 42 says that Jacob learned that Egypt had grain for sale, so he told his sons to go buy grain. You can clearly see God working here. He's directing Joseph's brothers to the land of Egypt to buy grain from the brother they sold into slavery. This didn't happen by chance. This was orchestrated by the sovereignty of God. So, ten of his brothers went to Egypt, but Benjamin stayed behind because Jacob didn't want to send him. He was afraid that something might happen to Benjamin. And verse 6 says that Joseph was governor over the land, and he was the one who sold grain to the people. And then Joseph's brothers came to him, and they bowed before him. And when he saw his brothers, he recognized them. But he treated them like strangers and spoke to them harshly. However, they didn't recognize him. And then Joseph remembered the dreams, the dreams where his brothers bowed down to him. Do you see how God is coordinating all of these events so that the dreams come true? Now, by dreams coming true, I don't mean that becoming powerful was a dream of Joseph's, like he always dreamed of being a king. He had a dream that God worked in his brain, and God made that dream come true. God was telling him through the dream that he was going to raise him to power. And this is the moment that this dream came to fruition. Well, Joseph accused his brothers of being spies, and they denied the accusation. But Joseph would not relent. Why did Joseph do this? He knew they weren't spies. Did he do this to get even with them? Or did he do this for another reason? Whatever the reason, Joseph kept his identity from his brothers. And it seems to me, if he were happy to see his brothers, he would have joyfully received them. But he didn't. He treated them like strangers and spoke to them harshly. And then in verse 15, Joseph said that he would put them to a test to determine whether they were telling the truth. He told them that they must send one brother back home and bring their youngest brother back while the others remained confined. And then Joseph put them all in custody for three days. And then on the third day, Joseph told them that they could all go back, but one brother must stay behind. However, they must bring the youngest brother back to verify that they were not spies. And they talked to each other, and they believed that they were now paying the price because of their guilt concerning Joseph, that time when they wanted to kill him but sold him into slavery. And Reuben reminds them that he warned them not to sin against Joseph, but they didn't listen. And now comes the reckoning for his blood. But they didn't realize that Joseph was listening, and that he could understand everything they were saying. Well, obviously moved by his brother's discussion, Joseph turned away and wept. These don't seem to be the same hard-hearted men that sold Joseph. There was a sense of remorse. And not only that, Joseph heard for the first time that Reuben, to some degree, tried to help Joseph. When Joseph returned to his brothers, he took Simeon and bound him in front of them. And Joseph had their bags filled with grain and replaced all their money and gave them provisions for their trip home. When they returned to Canaan, they told Jacob everything that had happened. And they told Jacob that they had to return with Benjamin, the youngest brother, in order to get Simeon back. And Jacob was dismayed because now Benjamin had to go back to Egypt with his brothers. And Reuben swore to his father that he would bring Benjamin back. Yet Jacob was reluctant to let him go. And this is where chapter 42 ends. Now, there are 50 chapters in the book of Genesis, so chapter 42 isn't the end of the story. It just so happens that's where I'm going to end this episode. So, what have we seen in chapters 40 to 42? 
First, we see God slowly moving the ball forward concerning his promise to Satan. Let's face it, it would be nearly 2,000 years from this point in Genesis before Jesus would rise from the dead, crushing Satan's head. However, just because God moved at his pace doesn't mean he's not fulfilling his promise. When he promises something, it will surely come to pass. God may have moved at a snail's pace to fulfill his promise to Satan, but we see in Jesus Christ that God fulfilled his promise to Satan, and quite frankly, to Abraham. Jesus Christ is the seed from Abraham who would bless all the nations, and Jesus is the seed of the woman who would crush Satan's head. Second, we see the sovereignty of God at play. Not only did God fulfill the dreams that Joseph had, God raising Joseph to power and his brothers bowing to him, but how God coordinated all the events so that in this one moment in history, God brought Joseph's brothers to him years later, and they bowed down to him. And also, by his sovereignty, God caused Joseph to succeed as a slave, as a prisoner, and his second in command. And then third, God gives us a glimpse of our salvation. We were slaves to sin, captive to sin, but God, by his grace, brought us into the kingdom of Christ. God raised us from the pit to the palace. And finally, through Joseph, God would preserve the line of Christ, therefore keeping his promise to defeat Satan intact. Though the line of Christ doesn't run through Joseph, God raised Joseph to second in power in order to save Jacob and his family from the famine. Again, Genesis chapter 42 is not the end of the story. Genesis chapters 40 to 42 are just a sliver of the story of redemption. There's so much more to come. However, God promised to destroy Satan, and nothing can thwart his plan. Though from our perspective, God moved at a snail's pace to fulfill his promise to Satan, we can look back and see that God did indeed crush Satan's head by the perfect life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That concludes this episode. If you have any questions, please email me at terry at thefoxdenjournal.com. If you enjoy The Fox Den, please leave a positive review and share this podcast with others. And if you haven't done so already, please subscribe. The Fox Den is a member of the Society of Reformed Podcasters. Thanks for listening. And remember, faith comes by hearing.